long history. Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 3, into Hudson Bay. Hello and welcome to Long History. Here we like to rescue source documents from the vaults and split them up into digestible chunks of around 10 minutes to give you the full unedited history by people who were there. And at the moment we're covering Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries. It contained four journeys altogether and we're well into the fourth of those four journeys. So if you want to listen to the full context those other three journeys will be available. And this is the 19th of 25 episodes in total. So please if you can subscribe to be informed of the release of the remaining episodes in this particular series. Henry Hudson's journeys here are just one of many famous explorations on long history. We've got source documents by many famous names, including Columbus, Sir Walter Raleigh, Francis Drake and Magellan. And in the previous episode of this series, Hudson explored the area to the north of Quebec in what is now known as the Hudson Strait. There are signs that things aren't going well for Hudson, particularly in this account written by Abercock Pritchett. He says how at one point, Henry Hudson gathered his men together to ask them if they wanted to continue or not and the opinions that were given during that meeting apparently were to be remembered a great while after. In this episode, Henry Hudson and the crew continue around the northernmost Cape of Quebec, passing islands that the expedition named, such as today's Charles Island and Salisbury Island. Then they rounded Wollstonehome Cape and entered the bay that would eventually be known as Hudson Bay. Then suddenly, as we see, when they enter this bay, the narrative takes something of a leap, and the crew head deep into the bay, reaching Charlton Island in Nunavut, which however is not far from the Ontario and Quebec border on the bay. As the previous episode ended, Hudson's boat was being approached by a bear. This is Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 3, into Hudson Bay. But when she saw us look at her, she cast her head between her hind legs and then dived under the ice and so from one piece to another, till she was out of our reach. We stood along by the land on the south side ahead of us. We met with ice that hung on a point of land that lay to the south, more than this that we came up by, which when our master saw, he stood in for the shore. At the west end of this island, for so it is, we found an harbour, and came in at a full sea over a rock, which had two fathom and an half on it, and was so much bare at a low water. But, by the great mercy of God, we came to an anchor clear of it. And close by it, our master named them the Isles of God's Mercy. This is an harbour for need, but there must be care had how they came in. Here our master sent me, and others with me, to discover to the north and northwest and in going from one place to another, we sprung a covey of partridges which were young, at the which Thomas Woodhouse shot, but killed only the old one. This island is a most barren place, having nothing on it but plashes of water and riven rocks, as it was subject to earthquakes. To the north there is a great bay or sea, for I know not which it will prove, where I saw a great island of ice aground, between the two lands which with the spring tide were set afloat and carried into the bay or sea to the northwestward, but came not back again, nor within sight. 
Here we took in some driftwood that we found ashore. From hence we stood to the southwest to double the land to the west of us through much floating ice. In the end we found a clear sea and continued therein till we raised land to the northwest. Then our master made his course more to the south than before, but it was not long ere we met with ice which lay ahead of us. Our master would have doubled this ice to the north, but could not, and in the end put into it down to the southwest through much ice, and then to the south, where we embayed again. Our master strove to get the shore, but could not, for the great store of ice that was on the coast. From out of this bay we stood to the north, and were soon out of the ice, then down to the southwest, and so to the west, where we were enclosed to our sight with land and ice. For we had land from the south to the northwest on one side, and from the east to the west on the other. But the land that was to the north of us, and lay by east and west, was but an island. On we went, till we could go no further for ice. So we made our ship fast to the ice which the tide brought upon us, but when the ebb came, the ice did open and make way. So as, in seven or eight hours, we were clear from the ice, till we came to weather. But only some of the great islands, that were carried along with us to the northwest. Having a clear sea, our master stood to the west along by the south shore, and raised three capes or headlands, lying one above another. The middlemost is an island, and maketh a bay or harbour, which, I take, will prove a good one. Our master named them Prince Henry's Cape, or Foreland. When we had laid this, we raised another, which was the extreme point of the land looking towards the north. Upon it are two hills, but one, above the rest, like an haycock, which our master named King James his Cape. To the north of this lie certain islands, which our master named Queen Anne's Cape, or Foreland. We followed the north shore still. Beyond the King's Cape there is a sound or bay that hath some islands in it, and this is not to be forgotten, if need be. Beyond this lieth some broken land close to the main, but what it is I know not, because we passed it in the night. We stood to the north to double this land, and after to the west again, till we fell with land that stretched from the main, like a shower from the south to the north, and from the north to the west, and then down to the south again. Being short of this land, a storm took us, the wind at west, we stood to the north and raised land, which, when our master saw, he stood to the south again, for he was loath at any time that we should see the north shore. The storm continuing and coming to the south shore again, our master found himself shot to the west a great way, which made him muse, considering his leeward way. To the southwest of this land, on the main, there is an high hill, which our master named Mount Charles. To the north and beyond this lieth an island that to the east had a fair head, and beyond it to the west another broken land which maketh a bay within, and a good road may be found there for ships. 
I master named the first Cape Salisbury. When we had left this to the northeast, we fell into a rippling or overfall of a current, which at the first we took to be a shoal, but the lead being cast, we had no ground. On we passed, still in sight of the south shore, till we raised land lying from the main some two leagues. Our master took this to be a part of the main of the north land, but it is an island, the north side stretching out to the west more than the south. This island had a fair head to the east, and very high land, which our master named Deep's Cape, and the land on the south side, now falling away to the south, makes another cape or headland, which our master named Wollstonehume's Cape. When we were nigh the north or island cape, our master sent the boat ashore, and myself, who had the charge, and the carpenter, and diverse others, to discover to the west and northwest and to the southwest. But we had further to it than we thought, for the land is very high, and we were overtaken with a storm of rain, thunder, and lightning. But to it we came on the northeast side, and up we got from one rock to another till we came to the highest of that part. Here we found some plain ground and saw some deer at first four or five, and after a dozen or sixteen in an herd, but could not come nigh them with a musket shot. Thus, going from one place to another, we saw to the west of us an high hill above all the rest, it being nigh us. But it proved further off than we made account, for when we came to it, the land was so steep on the east and northeast parts that we could not get unto it. To the southwest, we saw that we might, and towards that part we went along by the side of a great pond of water, which lieth under the east side of this hill. And there runneth out of it a stream of water as much as would drive an overshot mill, which falleth down from an high cliff into the sea on the south side. In this place great store of fowl breed, and there is the best grass that I have seen since we came from England. Here we found sorrel, and that which we call scurvy grass in great abundance. Passing along, we saw some round hills of stone, like to grasscocks, which at the first I took to be the work of some Christian. We passed by them, till we came to the south side of the hill, we went unto them, and there found more. And being nigh them, I turned off the uppermost stone, and found them hollow within and full of fowls hanged by their necks. Then Green and I went to fetch the boat to the south side, while Robert Billet and he got down a valley to the seaside, where we took them in. Our mass in this time came in between the two lands and shot off some pieces to call us aboard, for it was a fog. We came aboard and told him what we had seen, and persuaded him to stay a day or two in this place, telling him what refreshing might there be had, but by no means would he stay, who was not pleased with the motion. So we left the fowl, and lost our way down to the southwest, before they went in sight of the land which now bears to the east from us, being the same mainland that we had all this while followed. Now we had lost the sight of it, 
because it falleth away to the east after some five and twenty or thirty leagues. Now we came to the shallow water, wherewith we were not acquainted since we came from Iceland. Now we came into broken ground and rocks, through which we passed down to the south. In this course we had a storm, and the water did shoulder pace. Our master came to an anchor in fifteen fathoms water. We weighed and stood to the southeast, because the land in this place did lie so. When we came to the point of the west land, for we now had land on both sides of us, we came to an anchor. Our master sent the boat ashore to see what that land was, and whether there were any way through. They soon returned, and showed that beyond the point of land to the south there was a large sea. This land on the west side was a very narrow point. We weighed from hence, and stood in for this sea between the two lands, which, in this place, is not two leagues broad down to the south, for a great way in sight of the east shore. This account was written by a man called Abercock Pritchett, and he gives us a particular point of view, not least telling us when there are disagreements with the master, Henry Hudson. They tried, as they say, to persuade him to stay a day or two in this place, telling him what refreshing might there be had. His reply, however, was that by no means would he stay. And even these hints of disagreement are quite telling, when in the previous three journeys there were no disagreements at all. Now, as always, there are some notes in the text theorising where Henry Hudson may have visited on his voyage. The place where they found that store of fowls seems to have been around Wollstonehume Cape, that's on the very northern tip of Quebec, and apologies for all my pronunciation here, but the point where they say they had land on both sides of us is said to be between the mainland and Charlton Island in James's Bay, which if I'm right is in the very southern tip of Hudson Bay. And I think, I may be wrong here, but I think this was where Henry Hudson and his men went wrong. In heading so far into Hudson Bay, they made leaving the bay very difficult, especially as winter came in. In the next episode, that winter begins, and the narrative takes a change, as events become deadly serious for Henry Hudson and the crew. Thank you everyone for listening to the latest episode of Long History. From here, the events just ramp up in Henry Hudson's explorations. But please, if you can, share this episode with any like-minded people. And if you can like it in any way, that would really help to promote long history. This was Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 3, Into Hudson Bay. Goodbye.